Go with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation, the uh, 11th chapter, and then also we'll look at the 22nd chapter, Revelation 11:17. It said, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which are and was and are to come, because you have taken to you your great power and have reigned. Verse 18, the nations were angry. Your wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should give reward to your servants, the prophets, and, and you should give reward to the saints, and, and you should give reward to them that fear your name, small and great. We've looked at this and been reminded that in time to come, the Lord has planned for us to receive reward. And not just a a handful, but what did he say? Yes to the prophets, yes to the saints. And do you know that if you've been born again, you've been made holy. That's what a saint is, a holy one. Men cannot make you a saint. But the blood of Jesus has made you holy. And them that fear and reverence your name, small and great. That's everybody that respects the Lord and honors him will receive a reward. If you skip down to 22nd chapter, almost the end of the Bible here, Revelation 22 and 12, one of the last things he said to us, In the inspired written word, he said, Behold, I come quickly. Hallelujah. Peter brings up that some men scoff and mock and say, Look how long it's been since he said he was coming, and all things remain the same. But he goes on to say, With the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. So, uh, from his perspective, it's only been a couple of days. Since he said this. <laughs> so is he coming soon? Yes. If he came within the week. That'd be accurate. It's soon. And that'd be another 2,500 years or so. For us. <laughs> but. The Bible said the long suffering of the Lord. His patience. It's allowing other people to come in. If he came today. It'd be too late for a lot of people. Right? And so more days, more weeks, more years, more opportunities. And uh, the Father knows when the time is. And it'll happen exactly at the right time. And uh, you don't know and I don't know when that time is. And no need you buying the book that said they need. Over the years, it's happened over and over and over that people have tried to predict the time or the year, and that time came and went. Jesus said, the head of the church said, no man knows the hour, not even the son. The father does. How about that? Well, then don't let anybody tell you they know. (laughs) When's he coming? Help me out. There you go. Soon. (laughs) How soon is soon? You don't know. But soon. And one thing about it, it's sooner than it's ever been. Is that right? We're we're closer to it than anybody else has been. You need to be ready to go. 
You need to live ready to go, whether it's you slipping out of your body or the trumpet sounding. Either way, it can happen a lot sooner than you thought. So you just need to be ready to go day and night. And he went on to say, Revelation 22:12, I come quickly. And what? My reward is with me. To give every man, how? According as his work shall be. Now here's the thing. Our eternal reward will not be distributed equally. Because that would not be fair. Wouldn't be fair. For one person who got saved but then never did anything for the Lord of the kingdom. Wouldn't even go to church. Much less do anything else. And then somebody who sacrificed greatly and lived for the Lord and was faithful to him. How is it right that those two get the same reward? It's not fair. Now both of them will be saved. Both of them's in the family. But the reward will not be the same. What's the reward going to be based on? I come quickly. My reward's with me to give every man according as his work shall be. The Lord gave me this phrase some months ago about this. He said, our righteousness isn't based on what we do. That's based on what Jesus did. Our righteousness is not based on what we do. Our reward is. Our reward is based on what we do in this life. It's not a working to get saved Our righteousness isn't based on that. But our reward is based on what we do. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew 5. We're dealing with something very, very significant today. And it's not something we've preached as much about. And we need to, because there's a lot in the Word about it. There's been confusion about this area. And uh, rightly dividing the word can eliminate that. In Matthew 5 and 10, Matthew 5, 10, Jesus said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those which are what? Persecuted. Persecuted. Now, righteousness is a King James word. We don't use that word as much in modern vernacular, but it's just, it's based on what's right. Persecuted for doing what's right. Persecuted for believing what's right. Persecuted for preaching and teaching what's right. Standing for what's right. Will you be persecuted for that? Let me help you (laughs) Yes. Well, I might not be. Oh, no. You will be. Without exception. You will be. And if you're never persecuted, (laughs) what does that let you know? You're not standing up for what's right. For theirs, those that are persecuted, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does that sound like reward? It's talking about your place in the kingdom of heaven, and it's connected to being persecuted 
for what's right. Verse 11, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Everybody say that out loud. For my sake. This is the key determiner. There will not be reward for all suffering that occurred in this life. There will be no reward just because you suffered being sick. There will be no reward just because you suffered being poor. Y'all with me, friends? The reward will be the result of suffering, persecution, ill treatment, being done wrong. Why? For his sake. His sake. And you're not sick for his sake. The only exception would possibly be if you were pushing your body too hard and got worn, but then the Lord would sustain you from that too. Can you see that? Or you were, let's say, because of your faith, somebody stuck you out in the cold in the wintertime and you got sick. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? But just, just being sick only, there's no reward for that. No matter how much you suffered. Just being broke and poor. Now, if your goods were confiscated because of you being a Christian, and you endured hardship and lack because of your faith, there's reward for that. But if you just suffered being poor, and it's not connected to your stand of faith in Christianity, there's no reward for just being poor. Does that make sense, friends? But you're blessed even when people revile you. And persecute you. And say all manner of evil against you. Now we need mind renewal. Because with so many. If anybody speaks against them. They're just immediately hurt. And that's it. And they see no upside to it. (laughs) But if people are mistreating you. Not because of your dumb mistakes. Because there's no reward for that either. (laughs) No rewards for being dumb. But if they're mistreating you because you did what the Lord directed you to do, you stood for what his word says, and you wouldn't compromise, then uh, when you're spoken against, your name is maligned, What did he say, verse 12? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Now that's very different from being hurt. (laughs) And just becoming an introvert. That's very different from just going, why don't they like me? I don't understand it. What did I ever do to them? No, the Lord told you in the word. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Yeah, but I want everybody to like me. You can't have it both ways. Now, there's some people think, well, I I think I can figure it out. No. Uh Uh-uh. All you will have done is compromise the word and not take the stand that you should. And that's what we'll see more and more in the word today. There are many, many people in this world who reject Jesus. 
and reject the gospel and they reject right and wrong. They reject any concept of sin or judgment to come. And if you hold on to those truths, they will not be happy with you. And if you won't embrace their sin in the name of loving them, also known as inclusion, (laughs) then you will be labeled yeah, you know all the words that you <laughs> hater. You know all the names, right? And it won't be fun. You know what people say about you, or how they treat you, or them shunning you, or not allowing you in their company, or their club. You could get fired because of it. But for that, there is reward. And there can be great reward. He said when people are treating you that way. For his sake. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets. Which were before you. You are in the company of Elijah. And Elijah. You're in the company of Isaiah. And Jeremiah. You're in the company of Paul. And Peter. And Jesus. Woo! Now, how many believe Paul has and will have a big reward in heaven? How many believe it? That's everybody. (laughs) Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11 and 23 let me just remind you of something. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, Paul said, Spirit of God threw him, quickening him to say this, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. Now stripes would be marks. How did you get these marks? From being beat. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Keep going. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Five different times he was tied to a post and whipped with 39 lashes. Five different times. Why? Why? Because of what he preached. Because of what he preached. Keep reading. Three times. I was beaten with rods. That's separate from the other beatings. Beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. Usually that's enough for people. (laughs) That's like the end. (laughs) Stoning is not designed to injure. It's designed to kill. (laughs) And you remember the episode where they stoned him and left him for dead. Why would they quit stoning you? They think you're dead, right? And the disciples came and stood around him. What were they doing? They're probably praying or speaking or something. And he gets up. 
(laughs) Glory to God. And goes back into town and preaches the same message. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord had to tell him to leave there. Because he went right back into the hornet's nest. (laughs) And uh, I I think that, you know, he said on one occasion, uh, he said, if it had been possible, you'd have taken out your eyes and given them to me. And my affliction or weakness that was in my flesh, you, you had mercy on and received me. And if you look back, it's at the same time period that he got stoned. And we have no reason to think that his injuries were healed instantaneously. Because even in, in Galatians, he said, I bear in my body the marks or the scars of the Lord Jesus from these things. He bore them as a badge of honor. Should we think differently? It's a little too quiet. (laughs) Is the gospel changed? No. No. Has persecution for the gospel changed? No. Not really. Now, thank God we got enough Christianity in our country that you won't generally get stoned for preaching the gospel. There are countries. You stand on the street corner and preach what I preach in here, it'd probably be your last day. Unless the Lord supernaturally took you away, got you out. But uh, there is still persecution for believing, practicing, preaching, teaching the real gospel. And uh, he, you know, the main target on stoning is the head. Right? That's the main target. You take a rock, you throw it as hard as you can to hit the person in the head. Well, the eyes are in the head. And I believe there's reason to think that his eyes had been hit and were bloodshot and injured. His head was swelled and what have you. This is when he got up and went back and preached to them in this state. Hallelujah. Reckon there'll be some reward for that. Yeah, because he didn't get that because of some dumb mistake he made. He got that because of what he's preaching that the Lord gave him to preach. So, also he suffered shipwreck. A night and a day he's been in the deep. You know, we know about one shipwreck and how they were on that island and even got snake bit out there. You remember that? But he didn't die then either. Don't you imagine the devil's going, why won't this guy die? Why won't he die? Talk about the Energizer Bunny, man. He, he wouldn't quit. He just wouldn't quit. And you know, when the greater one's inside you and you're flowing with him, ain't nobody bigger than him. And if God's for you, who, what can be against you, right? <laughs> he said in, uh, in journeyings often, perils in the water, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, perils or dangers by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. We, we don't have but a fraction of what he dealt with and went through preaching the gospel. In weariness, painfulness, watchings, often hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, nakedness, Beside all those things that are without, that which comes on me daily, the care for all the churches. So, uh, Paul has a great reward. 
<laughs> and there are reasons why. He was willing to make great sacrifices. Great sacrifices. He was willing to sacrifice it all. In Philippians, he said, uh, I, I've lost everything for Christ. Everything that he had thought was gain. He was on a trek to be one of the leaders of the, uh, the Pharisees. He was, had the best education under Gamaliel. He had it all going for him. He was their golden boy. He was, that's why he led to persecution against the church. And when he got saved, he lost it all. They don't invite him to those meetings anymore. <laughs> and he said in Philippians, he said, I, I count it garbage that I may win Christ, that I may know him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Look with me in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews 11, 25. While you're going there, I'll remind you of this. You know, Peter said this on the occasion of uh, the rich young ruler when he, uh, he came to Jesus and said, you know, what do I lack to obtain eternal life? And, and he told him, he said, uh, sell what you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. Now that's not for everybody else. Zacchaeus stood up and he said, uh, Lord, I give the half of my goods to the poor. And he said, salvation's come to this house. And he didn't say, no, 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 you got to give it all. <laughs> well, why did he say that to them? It's obvious. This young man, his faith was in his money. And the only way to get out of that is to demonstrate it. Do you think that would have been the end of any prosperity or ability if he had given all of that and sowed all of that in faith? And No. But it's the only way to get out of that and to demonstrate that I don't have more faith in that than I do you. And uh, then Peter said, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, there's no man that's left house, brother, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, or lands for my sake. For, for who? For my sake and the gospels. This is what qualifies it for reward. Just losing a house doesn't mean you get reward. But if you left it to obey the Lord, he said he'll receive a hundredfold. Now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. There has, needs to be preaching on this side of it. People have heard about God wants you to be blessed and prosper. That's true. But you also got to be willing to leave it. Did you hear me, friend? And lay it down. Doesn't mean it's all lost and gone forever. It's an investment. <laughs> Into the kingdom of God. And remember, did you notice what Peter said? In fact, just put that on the screen. I'm working my way to Hebrews. But Mark 10, 28, what did Peter say? Mark 10, 28. 
We have left all. You can't say that if you have nothing. That's right. You can't say that if you have nothing. They had a business. Apparently successful. They had a business with employees. Multiple, they called them ships, we'd probably call them boats. Multiple boats, equipment, employees, a fishing business. And when the Lord called him and his brother, they walked off and left it. How many understand their business is as important to them at that day as yours would be to you? Right? Absolutely. Everything's relative. We have left all. And followed you is how that conversation began. You had to have something to leave it. Right. And, and leaving, all, I left all would indicate you had more than a thing or two. That's right? right? <laughs> so, yes, it's God's will that you have some things. But never his will that those things get in the way of you following him. And there will be, not might be, there will be time. This happened with Phyllis and I already, what, three or four times now? In the years that we've been in married and in ministry, that we left, we left everything. And seemingly started over. And it was because of the direction of the Lord. But every time we did, oh my, you came up to so much higher level than you were of what you left. Looking back now, I mean, the first time we left everything... We had a, uh, a mobile home. <laughs> well, it's all we had. And a couple of cars. And um, I had my hot rod and my dog. And, and uh, we had a, a little piece of land there in Mississippi and stood to inherit my grandparents' place and parents' place. And we walked off and left everything we had. Sold my car for parts eventually. And um, it might not have seemed like much to anybody else, but it's all we had. And then later on, after being in Tulsa for 20 years, the Lord dealt with us to uh, leave there and go to Branson. And so we liquidated everything we had. We put it into ministry and moved into a little rent house. And we had believed God for 15 years to get in a nicer house. And God did a miracle for that house that we were in. It was great. It was nice. And now it's gone. And we're in a little rent house where the water doesn't work. <laughs> but we didn't stay there long. We, we put what we had into the church and believed God. We, and I finally got a little, I, we traveled, you know, for 20 years. And, and we got a little airplane, got a little hangar, had it paid for. And it, you know, those are not just everywhere. You had to believe God for that. And, and the Lord dealt with us, relocate. I, the first day I put it on the market, it sold just like that. And I thought, okay, bye. And, and the little airport that was at Branson, it was 3,700 feet. I don't know if you know about that, but that's not very long. It's short and a cliff on both ends with boulders. And it just wasn't appealing or a good place. And I thought, did you know what? After just a couple of years, or more than that, uh, five, six, seven years, they built us a brand new airport. With private funds. Something just almost unheard of. Right there in Branson. We got a great 7,200 foot strip with precision approaches and a tower and everything. Just like the big boys. <laughs> and the Lord 
during the time we were praying about whether to leave or not, I remember one day I was shaving him. And yes, you have to shave when you have a beard. <laughs> I was shaving. And the Lord dealt with me. Because I was, I was still, are we really going to do this? Are we going to leave everything that we've built up over the last 20 years and go over there and start over where we don't know anybody? We didn't know anybody there. Are, are we really going to liquidate everything, put it in the ministry, start over? And while I'm standing there, these, these thoughts going through my mind, the Lord asked me. He said, Keith, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside. He said, Keith, do you believe I'm able to do for you better than this? Better than this. I, I laid my razor down. I said, yes, sir, I do. And I'm done deliberating about this. Here we go. And we weren't in Branson, I don't know, a, a month or so. I called the staff together one time. The Lord gave me a word. He said, I'm, I'm giving you the best of Branson. It didn't quite look like it at the time. <laughs> but within a matter of, uh, of a few years, we got, now we have a primo spot on the strip. 70 acres paid for on the strip. Phyllis and I got the best house there. We got an airport. We got, he gave us the best of Branson. Somebody said the best, the best. But what had to happen first? See, when you're turning loose of what you have and what you know, and you don't know where you're going to, it, it's a faith proposition. Isn't it? But what did the Lord say? Anybody that leaves house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels, you'll receive a hundredfold. Now, in this time, houses, you see when we got up on the screen, houses, when we're talking about our confession, houses, lands, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and, and, and in the world to come, eternal life. Does this sound like part of your reward here? This is, this is your reward. Yes, it is. But it involves sacrifice. Sacrifice, which is not a well-liked word in our generation. <laughs> but has the gospel changed? Has the will and plan of God changed? If you want the big rewards, the great rewards, what is going to be involved, child of God? Help me out. Sacrifice. Significant sacrifice. Should that make you cry and be sad? No. <laughs> this is not a place to get too quiet. You, you just want to look straight ahead and go, amen. Amen, Brother Keith. That's it. <laughs> Hebrews 11.25. Hebrews 11.25. It said that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It's a choice. Nobody made him do this. He was part of the family of Pharaoh. Remember that? And boy, in these days, when he lived there, Pharaoh's, the Pharaoh was considered a living God. I mean, he didn't even wash his own hands. I mean, (laughs) 
rich off the scale, <laughs> off the scale rich. They had everything. And so he could have had as many fast chariots as he wanted. He could have partied day and night, money to blow, money to burn. And he chose to give that up. Now there is temporary pleasure in sin. <laughs> See, people try to say, oh no, you know, there's no, there's no pleasure in sin. Don't, don't tell a lie. Don't believe a lie. <laughs> There is pleasure. If it wasn't, nobody would want to do it. Right? (laughs) Ain't no need looking around. (laughs) Let's deal with the truth. Let's deal with the reality, right? There is pleasure in sin. But what's the big issue with it? It's very brief. It's very brief. And then there's pain. And there's judgment. He chose, this is the wisdom of God. You can see why God chose this man, one of the reasons why he chose him, having a heart like this. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God who were a slave nation at the time. No privilege, no rights, no ability, no wealth. He chose to identify with them and endure what they had to endure rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Hallelujah. It's an awareness of what this world's stuff is worth versus eternity and the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of heaven. they are people that don't even believe in God. Much less heaven. Much less reward. So they're out to get anything they can get right now. Because they want to say this is all there is. Is right now. But we know better. I said we know better. Paul the spirit of God said through Paul in 1 Corinthians. He said if we only have hope in this life. We're of all men most miserable. You know that's why when people they seek achievement in this life and get it and then are dissatisfied. You can be the richest man on the planet and you'll find after a while it doesn't satisfy your heart. You'll think if this is all there is to life, there's got to be more. That's because there is. There is more. And the greatest need is spiritual. Not natural. Spiritual. And no natural thing can fill a spiritual hunger or need. Only God can do that. And only doing his will will give you the satisfaction you seek. Jesus said this. He said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. They had gone to find him something to eat. And when they came back, he said, I have food to eat you don't know about And they thought, who brought him food while we were gone? And he said, no, the thing that satisfies me, like being full after you were hungry, the thing that satisfies me is doing the will of God and accomplishing the work. And you and I are created in his image and likeness. And the only thing that will satisfy your insides 
and make you content inside is finding and doing the will of God. And if you follow that all the way, it'll cost you. Not cost you being sick. Not cost you having to endure the curse of the law that you've been redeemed from. It'll cost you having to sacrifice to get that job done. It'll cost you people talking about you. It'll cost you being excluded. It'll cost you in persecution. The scripture said those that will live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall, they will suffer, not being sick and broke, suffer being persecuted, being persecuted. And the further you go and the further you're willing to go, the more of a problem you become to the enemy. (laughs) When you're not influencing anybody, you won't even tell anybody about Jesus. You're not going to experience any persecution because you're no threat. You're no disruption to the enemy's operations. But when you begin to tell other people about him, when your life begins to be a light that causes other people to notice him, when you actually begin to show other people his goodness and his truth and his ways through what you say, through what you do, through your life, you come up on the enemy's radar. And he goes, hey, (laughs) we can't let them alone. They will lead other people to the Lord. We can't leave them alone. And so he will try to shut you down, to stop you by getting people to talk against you, by any kind of thing that he can do. And you got to make up your mind, nothing's going to stop me. Because this is what I live for. I don't just live to have a life down here and to be comfortable. That's not enough. It's not enough. I'm down here for a purpose. I'm to be a light. I'm to be a, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to be a light. You're a witness. What's a witness? It's a legal term. What's a witness? Who can testify in a court of law and be a witness? Somebody who was there? Somebody who saw it? Somebody who heard it? You are an eyewitness to when you got saved. To when God healed you or healed your baby. Come on here with me. You're an eyewitness to when God met your needs. You're an eyewitness to what he has done for you in your life. You must not be intimidated about that. You must be bold, not pushy and arrogant, but unashamed, confident. Hallelujah. In who you are, what you are, what God has done for you. And not hesitate to tell it. Huh? (laughs) Like the old song says, you can't tell it. Let me tell it. What the Lord has done for me. Amen? And nobody can tell. Like you can tell. What God did for you. You were there. You were there. Somebody say, I was there. I was was there. I was there when he saved me. I was there when he filled me with the Holy Spirit. I was there when he healed my body. I was there when he delivered me from whatever bondage you're seeing. I was there. I was there. You can't tell me I wasn't there. I was there. I was there. This is every believer's call. 
Every believer. He said you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you. You'll be witnesses unto me. Is that right? That's not, that's not preacher verse. That's believer verse. Every believer has this. And if you really do this, you'll be persecuted. And if you are, what should you do? You should rejoice. Why? Because your reward is racking up. Coming up. <laughs> Praise God. The NIV says concerning Moses, verse 25, Hebrews 11, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures, or you might say all the treasures in Egypt. Why? Read it with me. Why? Why did he give up living in a palace? (laughs) Millions to burn. Why did he give it up? Why did he walk out on it? He was looking ahead to the reward. He knew by the Spirit of God there's coming a time when there will be no Pharaoh, no palace, no Egypt, no kingdom of man. There's coming a time when those that have stood for the Lord will be in charge. I'm looking ahead. (laughs) You can be foolish and short-sighted And only live for what pleasure you can get out of today and sacrifice tomorrow by what you're doing today. Or you can be wise and sacrifice today for big blessing tomorrow. Do I have any wise people in here? Come on, I want to see wise, wise people. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Galatians, please. Galatians The fifth chapter. There is a suffering, 1 Peter talks about, according to the will of God. But like we've already said, it's not suffering, just being sick and broke, being defeated. It's suffering persecution because of standing up for what's right. Preaching and teaching, believing, living what's right. In Galatians 5, verse 11, the Spirit of God through Paul gets into this on the gospel, on the message. He said, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Say out loud this phrase, offense of the cross. What does that refer to? There are many who find the cross offensive and the message of the cross, the message it stands for. Because, for one thing, it allows for no other religions. That alone will bring wrath against you. (laughs) There are names for that, right? (laughs) Those that don't embrace other people's religions. (laughs) But are you going to believe what Jesus said? Are you going to conform to the world? Jesus said, 
I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Is that true or not? Then there are not many ways to the Father. There's only one way. One way. Somebody say one way. Did Jesus say it or not? He, he, went on, he said to the most religious people of his day, he said, if you don't believe I am the one, you will die in your sins. Well, if you die in your sins, you're not okay. You're lost. This is offensive to unbelievers who don't want to change. The uncompromising message that you are in need of a Savior. You are lost in your current condition. Well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. No, you're on your way to hell. People find that very <laughs> offensive. Right? <laughs> Let me read the Living Bible. He said, uh, some people say, I'm, I'm preaching that circumcision and Jewish laws are necessary to the plan of salvation. He's including what formal religion of his day is saying. He's, they're saying it's a mixed message. He said, well, if I preach that, I'd be persecuted no more. For that message doesn't offend anyone. <laughs> if you're preaching a message that doesn't offend anyone, You are not preaching the gospel that Paul preached and Peter preached. You're not preaching what Jesus talked about. He said the fact that I'm still being persecuted proves that I'm still preaching salvation through faith in the cross of Christ alone. Alone. How many want a reward? Yes. How many like a big reward? Yes. <laughs> you wasn't as quick to put your hand up that time. Yes, sir. <laughs> you do. Yes. I said you do. Yes. Any discomfort and sacrifice in this life is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed, the scripture said. No, 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 no. Don't you let anything hold you back from that. But we must not allow the world to conform us to itself. There are some who've endeavored to leave off parts of the word that people find offensive. To make it more appealing to the masses. Right? And to get more people to come. And just beware of saying anything that bothers anybody, that offends anybody. I like something that uh, Brother Billy Graham said years ago. He said, uh, many people are so concerned about uh, offending everybody except the Lord. (laughs) Should we be more concerned about what the Lord knows? Or what people think? If we preach the truth, we're going to preach that there is a right and a wrong. And that there's no such thing as your truth. 
I'm going to pause on that just a minute. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's the truth. The truth. He said, the fact that I'm still being persecuted proves I'm still preaching salvation through faith in the cross of Christ alone. Look with me in John 15, 18. We must not back off the clear word of God on every subject. I mean, there are passages of Scripture in Romans and 1 Corinthians that if you preach on them on TV in certain countries, they will take you off the TV. If you just read them and say, it's true. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. Keep going. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. And because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Are there exceptions to this? Mm -mm. If you're a real believer, people who have rejected God are not going to like you. And if they can be around you, and you're so backslid, and you never say anything about God, or anything that's right or wrong, that they got no problem with you, it shows how cold you are, and how far away. And I'm not talking about trying to push something off on somebody, just being who you're supposed to be is going to irritate non-believers who've made up their mind they don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about Jesus. And they say, well, you got to leave your God at home. Well, I don't go anywhere without him. I can't. He that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. When I show up, he's there. You too. He's in you. You can't. Leave home without him. (laughs) You can't. If you're really born again, he lives in you. He dwells in you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Ghost doesn't say when you leave the house, go to work. I'll see you when you get back. (laughs) Now, again, you don't have to try to push stuff off on people that they don't want to hear. But that's not the same thing as letting them muffle you and shame you to you're not who you really are. Make you ashamed of saying what you say. If you get offended at praise the Lord and hallelujah and glory to God, you don't want to be hanging around me. Because it's going to come out without me even thinking. Something good and great happens. Just a half second after that, you're going to hear me say, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Master. And if you look at me and say, you need to leave that religious stuff at home. I can't. Wherever I go, he goes. 
I'm not ashamed of him. And I'm not ashamed of this good gospel. Are you? Somebody say, not ashamed, not ashamed, not ashamed. He said, the world hates you. They hated me before they hated you. It's because I picked you, I chose you. A lot of this is envy, whether people realize it or not. We are his beloved, chosen ones. We are the apple of his eye. Y'all just think y'all God's favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, ask Phyllis about it. (laughs) Look in John 7 and you see more specifically why the hate. Jesus said so. John 7 and 7. 7 and 7. Now this was uh, his brothers, Jesus' brothers, who did not believe in him at that time. Later on, they came to. But he said, the world cannot hate you. Talking about his brothers. He's talking to them. But me, it hates. Now those of us that are believers, we just got through reading. He said, if the world hates you, hated me first. Why did the world hate him? Because he testified of it that the works thereof are evil. He wouldn't tell them that their ungodliness was okay. He he would not consent. He wouldn't tone it down. He wouldn't stop using words like sin to avoid offending anybody. And if we do this, not talking about judging people. And it's talking about standing up for what's right. Yes. That's right. What's true. You've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. We're not talking about judging anybody. You never say, well, how could they do that? You know how. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never done that. You did something like it. <laughs> We're not talking about that. But neither are we going to say it's okay what you're doing. Right. We're not going to tell you it's okay when it's not. Remember Jesus when they they took that woman caught in the act of adultery and uh, he said, eventually he said, has no man condemned you? She said, no man. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So you can call sin, sin without condemning. That was worth you coming to church right there. Anybody listening? You can call sin, sin without judging and condemning. He didn't judge her. He didn't condemn her, but he called what she was doing sin. And he told her to stop doing it. Just doing that will make people despise you. You're saying, no, that's not acceptable. No, that's not okay. No, that's contrary to the word. No, it's contrary to God's plan. No. You can say it with kindness, but you need to say it if it comes to that. Y'all with me, friends? You don't want to comfort anybody that they're okay when they're lost. You don't want to pat somebody on the back and help them go off the cliff. Love will tell them the truth. Can you say amen? Amen. So if we preach the gospel 
the same gospel that they preached, there's an offense of the cross. There's a hatred that comes from people who have rejected him that you won't tell them that they're okay, that you won't agree. And people say, well, if you love me, then you have to accept what I am and what I do. Well, that's not true. That's not true. I can love you and hate what you do. Now, people will tell you, oh, no, no, it's not right. This is me. You know, no. I can love liars and hate lying. Is that true? I love sick people. I hate sickness. I despise it. I love poor people. I hate poverty. I despise it. I use that word advisedly. I hate it. You should too. It's not a blessing in disguise. It's a curse. It works death. It's in the earth because of the sin and the curse. Hallelujah. Go to Romans in closing, I think. Do you think we need to hear these things too? Yes. Romans 8, verse 16. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Actually, I need to read another verse first. Hold your place. 2 Timothy 2, 8, please. And then we'll read Romans 8, I think. I don't want to short you, you know. Right? I don't want to short you. 2 Timothy 2.8 says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even under bonds. That's why he was locked up. Not because he was a criminal, just because of what he preached. But the Word of God is not bound. That's a great word, isn't it? Wherefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Why don't you say that out loud as a confession? I endure, I endure all things, all things for, the sake, for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain, they may also obtain the, salvation, the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. With eternal glory. glory. I told uh, Rob and then also Dan Friday, you know, Rob just been up in uh, Branson for a week or two and and, uh, Dan's done the same thing. I've done the same thing. I'm about to be gone for two or three weeks from home. And, and, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, we were gone for a month or over a month. And um, I said, you know, uh, when I was in uh, Australia, there was a contingent came over from Papua New Guinea. And there were about ah, six or seven of them, maybe more than that. I think there were three or four on the back, second row too. So I don't know, eight, nine, ten. Lovely people. My, my, my. I enjoyed preaching to them so much. They're on the front row and they sat like this. <laughs> and man, if you said something, they're going to get it. They're going to they get it, buddy. So hungry. And uh, just sweet people. You could just tell their hearts. And um, after the meeting, Tony, the the head pastor there, and I don't know if you know it or not, but years ago, the churches sowed $80,000 into a school 
in a ministry in Papua New Guinea. So we got seed in that. You do. If you weren't here, if you, you were not there, well, watch out for the next one because <laughs> it'll come around. He said, Keith, he said, uh, and I found out later, 70% of Papua New Guinea doesn't even have electricity. No electricity. Now that, I mean, if you're going to have a light in the nighttime, you got to go get a lantern. No electricity. And he said, Keith, those guys that you're preaching to, as soon as they leave here and they get back home, they'll backpack into the jungles and into the mountains and they'll preach this to everybody that they listen to. I thought, if they can do that, I can be gone for a month. Is that right? Come on, can you see? If they can do that, yeah, I can be gone from home. Stay in an air-conditioned room. <laughs> Preach the gospel. Why did I say that? How about you? Right? Should people like that get a reward greater than folks that can't even bother to come to church? Yeah. Yeah. But we're not those who don't care. Yeah. maturing ones, babies, all they care about is being fed and being comfortable. Right. They don't even have an awareness of other people. But when you grow up to become an adult, you begin to be aware of people around you and what they need, what they want. And as a child of God, when you grow up, you begin to take your part in the family business, yes. <laughs> which is building the church, yes. which is advancing the gospel. Around the world. Can you say glory to God? Amen. Amen. Thank you. He said verse 10. I endure all things. For the elect's sake. That they may obtain the salvation. Which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It's a faithful saying. If we be dead with him. We'll live with him. And if we suffer. We shall also reign with him. Come on can you see this? Suffer what? Suffer sacrifice. Suffer being persecuted. Suffer doing whatever it takes. Paying whatever it costs to get the job done. Hallelujah. That's why you, you can work on a team. You can, you can pray. You can speak. You can give. You can give your testimony, right? You can do something. Everybody can do something. Is it going to be uncomfortable at times? It's going to be very uncomfortable at times. Will people always like it? No. You could get cussed out. You could. And what if you did? What if you did? Better than finding out day after tomorrow they died from a heart attack. And you know they didn't know the Lord. And you saying, I never even told them. Better than that. At least you could say, well, I told them. They cussed me out, but I told them. But I'm glad I t- still glad I told them. And there are a lot of times people get mad and get upset and say all kinds of things. Well, they're sinners. And yet, go back home, think about it. The Lord deal with them in the middle of the night. Don't just be moved by what you see. If we suffer, we will reign with him. And then in Romans, are you there now? Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself, other translations say himself, the Spirit himself 
bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, a lot of people quote that, but they should read the next verse. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. I guess it's the same verse. If so be that we what? What? Suffer with him. Not suffering from the curse of the law. If we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Was Jesus willing to give up everything for us? Was he willing to endure pain, criticism, mocking, ridicule, abuse? For what? That wasn't for him. That was for us. And are we willing to do it that a fellow believer might get an answer, might get help? We can't pay the price for their sins. Jesus has already done that. But we can pay whatever price it takes to get that message to them, to get that word to them, to get that anointing and that ministry to them. He said, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. Hallelujah. With the glory which shall be revealed in us. I assure you. Past this life. And into the next. And into our places in the kingdom. Never will you look back and say. That was too high a price I paid on earth. Never. What will you say? It was nothing. To get this. It was nothing. That somebody got the gospel. And is here in heaven with us. It it was nothing. Because it lasted that long. And this is forever. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thanks be to the Father. I'd like for us to pray a prayer of commitment consecration to the Lord. If you've never given your heart and life to the Lord, you can do that standing right here. But if you've never made this kind of commitment, you can do this. There's a lot more to being a child of God than just believing. He's not only our Redeemer and Savior, He's our Lord. He has a plan for us. And it'll involve, if you go all the way, it'll involve a lot of sacrifice. But you'll be so glad you did. You'll be so glad you were willing to pay any price. Believe anything, give up anything, endure anything to accomplish why you were born down here in the first place. What you were made for to begin with. Phyllis, would you please come and Stand with me and let's uh, let's not just say something, but let's let's do it in our hearts. Lift up a hand before the Lord and pray this out loud. If you, only if you mean it. 
Say it out loud, Father God. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he went to the cross. He paid it all. Was willing to give it all. To pay the price. For my sins. And to redeem me. And save me. Jesus. I confess you. As savior. Redeemer, Redeemer. And, and as my Lord, as my Lord. And, as my and as my master, I receive, I receive the, cleansing the cleansing by the blood of the Lamb, the, of the, Lamb. the, washing, the washing and regenerating, and regenerating of, the of the Holy Spirit. And I give myself to you, O Lord, you, o Lord. all that I am. All that I have, all that's in my control, or ever will be, I submit it to you. And I say, I am willing, Lord. By faith, I say, I delight to do your will, O God. Thank you for revealing and confirming your will and your plan for me to me in me I will be like Moses and forsake temporary pleasures of sin for the reward to come I will gladly identify with you in front of all I will not be ashamed of your word, of your people, of your church, of your gospel, of your spirit. I will be a bold and confident witness of who you are and what you've done for me. And I thank you for the strength and the grace to live the rest of my life this way in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord just lift your hands and thank the Lord thank him for hearing that prayer thank him for adding to us what we need to see and hear and know and do thank you Lord thank you Lord Helping us to not just be consumed and conformed to this world in this age. Thank you, Lord. Helping us to be aware. Aware of you and the plan and our part. And what is soon to come, soon to come, soon to come. You are coming quickly. And your reward is with you. And we desire it. And we want a full reward. And we're looking, looking forward to it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.